It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Good morning, America. I'm Jay Christian Adams in again today for Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm the president of the Public Interest Legal Foundation. You can follow me on Twitter at electionlawctr. That's at electionlawctr. Also spent years at the voting section at the Department of Justice. I was working on a variety of things there involving elections And got to see up close what goes on in the Justice Department. Oh, boy. And that has relevance today for our show because we're going to be talking about unequal treatment under law. We're going to be talking about things that are happening all over the landscape, whether it's Steve Bannon, James O'Keefe, COVID, election law, January 6th. All roads lead to the Justice Department, don't they? How we treat fellow citizens in this country frequently is a Justice Department question. And I, of course, have been talking about the Justice Department since I left the Justice Department in 2010. Because what I got to see up close, oh boy, it's not what you think. And just today, Republicans on Capitol Hill... Devin Nunez, others are going to be talking to FBI Director Chris Ray. Oh, the FBI, it's part of the Justice Department. The FBI is like a wholly enclosed subset of the DOJ. And today, Republicans are going to get a chance to talk to FBI Director Chris Ray. Remember, Chris Ray is a Trump appointee to run the FBI. He's a Trump pick. But one of the things I want you to understand about the Justice Department is that it's a company town. It's a company town, meaning it doesn't matter sometimes whether you're a Trump pick or a Biden pick, you end up behaving the same way, and here's why. Inside the department, there is enormous institutional gravity. And what does this mean for you? Well, it means a lot of things. Because what the Justice Department does affects your life, our culture, our country. I'm Jay Christian Adams, in for Sandy Rios. Want to take your calls today at 1-888-589-8840. That's 1-888-589-8840 on American Family Radio. So today, the Republicans trump up to Capitol Hill to interview Chris Wray. Now, Chris Wray, interesting background here is part of a group of Justice Department lawyers when I was at the Justice Department who some called sort of the Atlanta Mafia. Now, I don't know what that means. I just heard it used. But there's a whole bunch of lawyers from Atlanta at the Justice Department. They all knew each other before they got there. 
And Chris Ray was one of them. And he had a variety of different jobs at the DOJ before President Trump picked him to be head of the FBI. And of course, all of you out there have been paying attention. Consider, consider Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon was recently indicted. Steve Bannon, of course, is President Trump's strategic advisor at the beginning of the administration's term. He was also one of the uh, heads of Breitbart News. So he's a hardcore conservative fighter for American values. And he was indicted because the January 6th committee sent out subpoenas and Steve Bannon ignored his subpoena to testify. Now, this hits home for me personally, because when I was at the United States Department of Justice in the voting section prosecuting the new Black Panthers, that was my case. You might remember that case. Standing out in front of a poll in Philadelphia with weapons and wearing their nice little uh, uh, hate suits, their black berets and so forth. When I was at the Justice Department in the voting section, I was subpoenaed after Eric Holder, and we'll get to him more in a minute, after Eric Holder dismissed the case against the New Black Panthers. The United States Commission on Civil Rights, a federal agency, issued me a subpoena to testify as to why that case was dismissed. And I was told by the department lawyers, no, you aren't going to comply with that subpoena. Now, Never mind the fact that there was a law, a law, remember those pesky little things? A law that said if I didn't comply with the subpoena, I could be criminally charged just like Steve Bannon has been. So that's when I quit my job at the DOJ voting section and I testified about the new Black Panther dismissal. And I testified, of course, that there was a double standard, and that's what we're going to be talking about on the show today. Double standards inside the Department of Justice. Now, a Justice Department lawyer in Maine Justice, which is in D.C., listening to this show might say, oh, tusk, tusk, there's no such thing. We abide by the highest standards of integrity. Nonsense. Nonsense. And I saw it firsthand. And so did others who I worked with. It wasn't just me. There's a whole bunch of us out there now. We saw how justice is dispensed based on politics, based on race. We saw cases against defendants like the New Black Panthers, because they were African Americans, be treated like it shouldn't exist, never mind the weapon. Oh, but it's way worse than just one case. It's way worse than just one case. For example, take a look at Steve Bannon's situation. He's being charged with contempt of Congress. Can anybody name somebody else in the last decade that was found in contempt of Congress? Anyone? I'll take Eric Holder for 200, please. Yes. Eric Holder was also found in contempt of Congress. Does anybody remember the story of his criminal indictment? No, you don't, because it didn't happen. That's what I mean by double standards. Now, let's talk about mechanics for a second. How Steve Bannon got indicted is because a D.C. grand jury, a District of Columbia secret federal grand jury, and by the way, it's, that's how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be secret, met 
and U.S. attorneys who work at the Justice Department presented evidence to them. Those attorneys decided to do that. In other words, a grand jury doesn't just sit there and, and, you know, Google things. Presentations are made by lawyers from the Justice Department about what the lawyers from the Justice Department think should be prosecuted. Now, Steve Bannon's case was presented to the grand jury. Guess whose case wasn't, as far as we know? That's right, Attorney General Eric Holder. Now, the the Justice Department could have conceivably, even during the Trump administration, the lawyers could have presented this case. But what I'm trying to emphasize to everybody listening is the Justice Department is not a big building monolith institution. It is individual decisions of individual people. And those individual people, by and large, are aligned against your values. Now, there's exceptions to that. But in general, they are part of the company town. They live in places like Tacoma Park and Gaithersburg and Arlington and Oxon Hill. Now, you might not know the names of these places that I'm mentioning in the suburban D.C. area, but these are little epicenters of leftism. Go look at the polling results, the election results, in the presidential election for Tacoma Park, the District of Columbia, and all these other places where these Justice Department lawyers work and live. Go look at their donation histories, and you will see Justice Department lawyers donate to Democrats like 9 to 1, and that's on a a rare day. It's probably 95% donations to Democrats. So Eric Holder doesn't get indicted, and Steve Bannon does for the exact same thing. The exact same thing. Now, what message does that send? What do you tell your kids? How do the law school professors deal with that imbalance? Oh, it's way worse than that. Bannon Holder is just one example. We'll get to more. I'm Jay Christian Adams. You're on a, listening to American Family Radio. I'm in for Sandy Rios today at 1-888-589-8840. James O'Keefe. Oh, there's another one. James O'Keefe had his home raided. James O'Keefe, of course, the undercover journalist who investigates the tendencies toward violence, corruption, lawlessness among the American left, and that includes the media. James O'Keefe is doing things that others don't have the guts to do and exposing and reporting bad behavior and hypocrisy. So what happens next? The Justice Department raids his house. Now, to put this in perspective, let's take a little trip down history lane and talk about something called the Pentagon Papers. In the 1970s, the Pentagon Papers were stolen, and they were a very large volume of information about how America got into the Vietnam War. And they were top secret. Top secret! And they were stolen by Daniel Ellsberg. And he had them published at the New York Times. Now, Ellsberg was indicted by a grand jury and paneled by DOJ lawyers in 1973. I think it was three. 
But those that case was eventually dismissed, and the Supreme Court talked about how important journalistic freedom was, how reporters, how reporters cannot face criminal prosecution for publishing things that came to them. And what is the James O'Keefe raid about? It's because apparently someone got Joe Biden's daughter's diary. Now, James says that it came to them. They didn't go break in and take it, but it came to them. And so this was publication of potential, which he didn't, James didn't even publish the diary. The New York Times did publish the Pentagon Papers. So James O'Keefe didn't even publish the Biden diary, and his house gets raided by the FBI before the sun rose. So what does that tell us about justice? It tells me that there's a bunch of loons at the FBI who never put their foot down and said, we don't raid journalists' homes. There's a bunch of nut lawyers who went to a grand jury and and a judge and asked for a search warrant to go into a journalist's house. Now, that's not happening at the New York Times anymore because they get a pass. They can publish all kinds of stolen things. Oh, it also doesn't happen related to Hunter Biden, does it? The little Barisima millionaire, son of the president, sister of the daughter, the diarist, who gets millions upon millions of dollars for advising for advising a Ukrainian oil company over American values and American issues. And for art, probably also. But that's another story altogether. So what I'm trying to tell you is that there is a different standard of justice depending on your politics at the United States Department of Justice. And you might ask, well, why didn't this get fixed during the Trump administration? Oh, there's stories there, too. We'll talk more about that and how it's affecting the elections. Remember, if you don't prosecute voter fraud, what do you get more of? We'll talk about that next. I'm Jay Christian Adams. You're listening to American Family Radio. I'm in today for Sandy Rios. In tomorrow, too. Unequal justice? Impartiality? Does Lady Justice really have a blindfold? Or the lawyers peeking out from underneath it at the DOJ? We'll be back next on American Family Radio. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it time for open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also when you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. For the typical family, switching to MediShare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. Think what you could do with that. But if you join right now, MediShare is waiving their new member fee. So that's another $170 you'll save. And MediShare is really different. It's a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills. More than 400,000 people are members, and they've shared over $4 billion in medical bills. So, yes, they can handle your bills, too. This may be the time to make the switch. Join before November 30th for the additional savings. It's so easy to find out more. They're great to talk to. In fact, you can get a price within two minutes. Here's the number. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Christopher Godfrey, 
director of the Office of Workers' Compensation Programs. His office was created to administer claims and assistance under the Federal Employees' Compensation Act. Isaiah 117 reminds us of the importance of caring for one another. Learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Christopher Godfrey as he helps to administer workers' compensation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Again, that's "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Longtime Trump ally Steve Bannon has been taken into federal custody on contempt of Congress charges. Bannon defied a subpoena from a House committee investigating the January riots at the U.S. Capitol. He faces a minimum of 30 days in jail, a $1,000 fine if convicted. Former IRS Chief Lois Lerner was held in contempt of Congress, but she was never arrested. Former Obama Attorney General Eric Holder was held in contempt as well, and he was not arrested. So why was Steve Bannon? There's no doubt in my mind his arrest is nothing more than payback by rogue agents within the FBI. There's a price to pay for exposing the corruption that was allowed to fester within the deep state. And President Obama was quite effective in weaponizing federal agencies to target his political enemies. And now Joe Biden is picking up where his boss left off. Steve Bannon is now a political prisoner of Joe Biden. I'm Todd Stearns. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Good morning, America. I'm Jay Christian Adams, subbing for Sandy Rios. Thanks, Sandy, for having me today. And it's going to be an interesting day on Capitol Hill where Republicans get a chance to interview Chris Wray, the head of the FBI, presumably about a lot of things, including the Durham probe. And in the last uh, 24 hours or so, the Republicans have learned about somebody in the Durham probe that they never knew about. And the Republicans, remember, had been poking around this issue for years. And they learned about one Charles Dolan. It's in the news today that Mr. Dolan was apparently involved in cooking up the fake Russian dossier. But all those times that the Republicans in Congress asked the question about people involved, the name never came up. And so today they get a chance to ask Chris Ray why that is and why the FBI learned about it, but not apparently Congress. And this doesn't surprise me at all, though, because the... Durham investigation, a lot of people have a lot of hope for. And yeah, okay, good. They're going to indict a couple people for probably lying to Congress, uh, lying to the FBI, which they've already done. And they're going to make some progress. But is it going to be a game changer? No. Is it going to change how the FBI does business? No. Is it going to do anything at the DOJ? No. And let me explain why. The DOJ is an institutional body. It protects its own 
I have been a witness in multiple, multiple OPR and IG, that's Office of Professional Responsibility and Inspector General Investigations. You can Google an Inspector General report on the voting section where I used to work. It's a report on the voting section from like 2013, and it's about the skullduggery in enforcing election law, where we had employees of the Justice Department inside the voting section, you know, the people suing Texas and Georgia right now. We had people inside the voting section lying under oath in the Inspector General investigation, lying under oath. It is in the IG report. All of you can read it before noon today. What happened to those people? Any guesses? Option A, fired. Option B, fired and jailed. Option C, nothing. Guess what the answer is? You got it. C, nothing. You can Google stories about Justice Department employees in the office where I work stealing laptops, using credit cards to visit their mistress, your taxpayer-funded credit cards, to go fly and visit a mistress. Guess what happened to this person? Option A, fired. Option B, fired and jailed. Option C, they got a lucrative retirement buyout. You guessed it, option C. What I'm trying to emphasize to all of you out there is when it comes to the Justice Department, nothing happens. Nothing happens to its own. It is an institutional body that protects itself whenever there's any kind of wrongdoing suggested, bad behavior, political ideology. I'm Jay Christian Adams in for Sandy Rios this morning. You can call in a 1-88-589-8840. We're talking about Justice Department double standards. Justice Department double standards. Let me introduce you to somebody else named Richard Pilger. Now, you might say, Richard Pilger, what does this have to do with me? Richard Pilger is the head of the election crimes branch at the public integrity section. So all of you worked up about voter fraud, including me. All of you angry that nobody's being prosecuted for committing voter fraud can blame Richard Pilger. Because Richard Pilger is the gatekeeper inside the Justice Department. And you guys, no one heard of him, did you? And you shouldn't. You shouldn't know these bureaucrats' names, but I do. Richard Pilger is the head of the office that stops voter fraud prosecutions, that's supposed to bring voter fraud prosecutions. And he was there during the Obama years. He was there the whole Trump years. I went on Judge Janine's show on Fox News probably five times, five times calling, you can Google this, fire Richard Pilger. He's SES, which means Senior Executive Service. These are people making like $190,000 a year. You can look it up with all kinds of benefits. Don't even get me started on the retirement packages these folks get. I know because I'm getting one for five years of service. But Pilger's been there for longer. He's going to live like a king when he's 65. And Pilger was refusing to allow voter fraud prosecutions. I And I went on Judge Janine's show and I said, you got to get rid of Richard Pilger. But they never got rid of Richard Pilger. Guess what? Richard Pilger resigned. Oh, wait, that's in quotes, resigned. After President Trump started talking about voter fraud after the election, the 2020 election. And he resigned in outrage. 
He resigned in outrage. He didn't resign like Jay Christian Adams resigned. Jay Christian Adams, your host today, resigned for real. Okay, I quit my job. I lost my salary. Okay, because of the new Black Panther case. Richard Pilger fake resigned. He resigned his job as head of the election crimes branch. Lord knows what he did after that. He probably watched Netflix or porn like so many other Justice Department employees that I knew were doing. Watching porn on Justice Department computers. It happened in the voting section where I worked. I know the employees who were doing it. It was notorious. Nothing happened to them, by the way. ABC, pick C, nothing. So what I'm trying to emphasize with example after example after example is nothing happens to these people. The double standard starts in the administration of the Justice Department. want to hear from you at 1-88-589-8840. That's why the folks in jail for the January 6th events are having such a rough go. Because the U.S. attorneys in charge of that are all almost down to a T leftists inside the DCDC. That's District of Columbia District Court. So nothing happens when we hear reports of mistreatment. It's up to a federal judge to eventually blow his stack and say that they have to get medical treatment. What I am trying to emphasize over and over again, folks, is the system is working against impartiality. It has internal checks and balances that always favor the institution in the form of the Inspector General and the OPR. Now, let's get to the big question a lot of you are probably asking. Is why didn't President Trump do something about this? Well... I'm going to share a story I've never shared before. And after President Trump was elected, I contacted a number of people and I wrote a number of articles about what needed to be done. This was all from November to the inauguration. And I got some calls from some very important lawyers and prestigious and good guys telling me to clam up. The quote that I'll never forget is, quote, we know who the problem people are, unquote. They didn't need J. Christian Adams telling them what to do during the Trump years. Because they knew what to do. They knew who the problem people were. Guess what? The problem people are still there. Nothing happened to the problem people. I gave them the names. Other people gave them the names. And nothing happened to them. They are still making $195,000 a year, courtesy of the people listening to the show. Now, I left in 2010, the Justice Department. I thought it was more important to tell the story about what's going on inside than to stay there and be stifled. And the irony is I left because I was subpoenaed by the United States Commission on Civil Rights to testify about why the new Black Panther case was dismissed that I worked on. The irony is that President Trump appointed me. I am now on the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. So the body that once subpoenaed me to testify that led to me leaving the Justice Department, I now am on that commission. But what, folks, I'm trying to emphasize is that when it comes to things like January 6th, when it comes to prosecutions of Bannon, Steve Bannon, raids on James O'Keefe, the Durham investigation, 
which by the way is an outlier. Russiagate, the Mueller hoax, the whole department is skewed against your values. So what can be done about it? You might say, ah, I know what can be done. Let's win the election and get a good assistant attorney general in all these divisions to hire good people that aren't corrupted. Oh, that's the 2006 events. That's what happened in 06. Let me share that story. So the assistant attorney general of civil rights, Brad Schlossman, and a number of good conservatives attempted to hire people who weren't crazy, including me. And so they hired a number of people who weren't crazy leftists. And guess what happens next? You know it. Come on. The full wrath of the media. Patrick Leahy, good riddance, by the way, in the Senate. And all the other congressional Democrats go into an, a whirlwind of outrage that people like me were hired to the Justice Department. They get the inspector general to investigate the political hiring of the Justice Department. They pillory Monica Goodling for asking potential DOJ lawyers what they think about Roe v. Wade during the Bush administration, right? Lord knows what they're asking now. It's probably like, how many copies of the Communist Manifesto do you have? And the more copies you have on the shelf, the more likely you are to get hired as a lawyer at DOJ. So they tried that, folks. They tried to bring good people in in 06, and the institution had an antibody reaction. People lost their jobs over hiring non-leftists. So what I'm trying to tell you is the entire ship of state is sailing down the river, and I don't know how it gets reeled in. And I think it's going to get worse. Because nobody pays a price. Nobody pays a price for wrongdoing. Not the person stealing laptops, not the person watching porn on DOJ computers, not the person lying under oath, not the person using taxpayer credit cards to go see their mistress. Nobody pays a price. Bruce Orr, remember him? The guy during the Obama years inside the DOJ in the Deputy Attorney General's office who was greasing the wheels on the Russiagate investigation? He kept his job all through the Trump administration. He got reshuffled, moved around, shamed a little bit, but he's still making $190,000 a year plus benefits. What I'm trying to emphasize, folks, is there's no silver bullet. Maybe I shouldn't use that term. It's not what I mean. There's no simple answer. When institutions grow gigantic, they grow immune to accountability. The founders knew that, and we're living it. William, you're in Oklahoma. You're on American Family Radio this morning. I'm Jay Christian Adams in for Sandy Rios. What do you have to say? All right. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I was uh, talking uh, about, you know, in regard to the double standards that being taken. Well, uh, the CEO of Project Veritas accused of taking Biden's daughter's uh, diary, uh, as his word, and even though he didn't print it, Rachel Mad uh, Maddow uh, had Trump's tax statement, which he said this automatically appeared in her mailbox. He doesn't know how. 
but she did an right. expose on CNN, and it was nothing there. But, I mean, they didn't say how she got it or uh, accused her or anything like that. And I just was wondering what was your thought on that as well. Well, that's a, a really good up. observation, William. That is spot on. And you know what? It's also another example is the conservative pro-life groups who during the Obama years had their tax returns illegally leaked with their donor lists by the IRS employees. Where are the indictments there? Oh, oh, that was inadvertent. The government people found, right? The investigator. Oh, they didn't really mean to email the 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 donor list to the activist abortion groups. That was all an accident. I'm not making that up. I'm not being sarcastic. That is literally what they found, and therefore nobody was prosecuted. Nobody was prosecuted for that. This is what Trump faced when he took office was a deep state that is worse than you could ever believe until you've been inside it like I have. It's a double standard. It's dangerous. This isn't just sort of quirky stuff. We're not just talking about, oh, did you hear about things? This isn't just sort of like a nuisance. This is the stuff of evil. This is the stuff that has plagued other ages, other governments, other centuries where adherence to an ideology or proximity to the king gives you immunity from anything. It's where we get the notion of the rule of law, not of men. That's where that phrase comes from. It's the rule of law that's supposed to govern in the United States. It's in our founding documents. All men are created equal. It's not the men at the DOJ who buy uh, porn on their DOJ computers and steal laptops that have special status, that's not all men are created equal. That's government employees benefiting from their status as government employees. Oh, at a pretty nice salary. I'm Jay Christian Adams. We're going to take more of your calls next. I'm in for Sandy Rios this morning, and you can talk to the nation at one 589 1-888-589-8840. Jay Christian Adams subbing for Sandy Rios on America Family Radio. I've got a book I've been working on for some years now. It's called Sweet Land of Liberty. Reflections of a Patriot Descended from Slaves. Bishop E.W. Jackson. I think it really is an important response to the critical race theory nonsense and all of this racial demagoguery that has risen up like a cult. Tune in to The Awakening, weekdays at noon central on American Family Radio. When you hear this... This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. For as often as you eat this bread... And drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Buzz Aldrin is the famed astronaut who planted the American flag on the moon and explored it for some 21 hours. What many don't know, however, is what Mr. Aldrin did to commemorate the moon landing. Aldrin, a committed Christian and elder in his local church, marked the incredible occasion by celebrating Holy Communion. The first meal ever eaten on the moon was a celebration of the Lord's table, a lunar declaration that Jesus Christ is Lord, Savior, and soon-coming King. That is pretty cool. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. One of the greatest attacks in America was an attack perpetrated by our very own Supreme Court. That was a legalization of abortion. Now, subsequent to that, there have been 70 million babies slaughtered in the wombs of their mothers. That is more than the entire population of Canada and Australia combined. Kevin Sorbo of the hit films God's Not Dead and Let There Be Light supports life. I wanted to invite you to offer your full support for the ministry of Preborn and its leader, Dan Steiner. The team at Preborn is very focused and very successful at saving preborn babies from abortion. Join Kevin Sorbo and Preborn in Standing for Life. By letting a mother see her baby on ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, she'll choose life 80% of the time. For $140, you can help save five babies' lives. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby. Or donate securely at preborn.com. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. In the wake of Joe Biden's disastrous surrender of Afghanistan to the jihadist Taliban, it's hard to believe that anyone still thinks we can unilaterally end an endless war. Yet some in Congress are pressing for a peace agreement to be concluded with North Korea, as if that would actually terminate the Korean War rather than invite its violent resumption. This delusion is at the core of H.R. 3446, the so-called Peace on the Korean Peninsula Act. Its sponsors evidently believe North Korea can be trusted to honor such an accord, respect human rights, and reunify with South Korea like East Germany did in effectively surrendering to its Western counterpart. Such an agreement will instead likely trigger the removal of U.S. forces that have deterred a devastating Korean War 2.0 and the South's forced submission. Thanks, but no thanks. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Good morning, America. I'm Jay Christian Adams subbing for Sandy Rios this morning on American Family Radio. Taking your calls at one 888 589-8840. We're talking about Justice Department double standards, missed opportunities during the Trump administration, wrongdoing, and impartial application of the law. You know, and you can follow me on Twitter at Election Law CTR. That's Election Law CTR. I got a question that says, well, why didn't anything happen about this during the four years of the Trump administration? Let me try to answer that as clearly as I can. The people that came in to govern the Justice Department during the transition, that's where the problem started, was during the transition, the people in charge of the Justice Department didn't want to do anything. 
they were institutionalists themselves. Okay, even though they wore the Trump uniform and the you know the the Republican badge, these were institutionalists who worked at the department before and went back and didn't want to do anything. Remember, I told you in an earlier segment, the message was sent to me in very clear terms, quote, we know who the problem people are, unquote. <clears throat> and excuse me, all, all those problem people are still there. Secondly, it would be illegal to just fire everybody. Under federal civil service laws, if you're a GS employee, meaning a civil servant, you cannot be fired unless you like steal laptops or watch porn or misuse government credit cards. Oops, I forgot. Even those people don't get fired at the DOJ. But let's pretend they can. So you can't get fired just because you are a radical nut job leftist if you're on the GS scale. So the GS scale, which means civil service, couldn't be fired during the Trump years. And there was no political will by the transition people who were in charge of the Justice Department to put people in place that would do something about the people you could do something about. So those two things combined, and it directly related to the Mueller investigation. Because the person who made the ultimate decision after Sessions recused himself was a longtime institutionalist who was also there during the Obama years and was Jeff Sessions' chief of staff. He had survived the Obama years at the Justice Department. That tells you something. But see, he was brought on by the transition team for a cloak of impartiality. He was brought on to make it look like Jeff Sessions wasn't some rabid, nutjob conservative, because look at who his chief of staff was. And if you go back and watch a lot of the Jeff Sessions press conferences, he'll actually do this. And I love Jeff Sessions. He'll actually say, here's my chief of staff. He's a long-termer here. Like, it would be used openly to buy, buy, shall we say, you know, the aura of impartiality. So, folks, that's what happened. You can't fire everybody. And the people you could fire, the people who were in charge had no will to do it. So what does work? There are things that work. All hope is not lost. We can get to those in a minute. But I want to talk to Lynn. She's in Arkansas. Lynn, what do you have to say this morning? Good morning. Yeah, hi. The other day I heard you say that in Fairfax County on the election board, uh, there were some people who were corrupt. One of them was Scott Conopet. I don't know how you say Kono it. Basic. You, you, right. Yes. Okay. And then um, I think there was somebody else, too, that you mentioned. Oh, Chris Piper. Piper. There you and, go. You were listening. Thank you so much, Lynn. For And by the way, Chris Piper is the head of the state elections uh, division, and Scott Conopasic is the general registrar for Fairfax. Uh, those are the two okay. people I saw because the, they have given instructions to violate the law. So when you don't even live there, I mean, how would you go about trying to get the message to um, Yonkin that these people are corrupt? I mean, would he, you know, 
It, it right, and it's awfully hard to get the message when you don't live there. And I think I was probably addressing those comments more toward the governor-elect and people in Virginia. Uh, but see, there's going to be situations in your state. Now, Arkansas has some really good election officials there, so you're one of the better states. But this is a national phenomenon. And you know, we talked about national issues with the Department of Justice this hour, where people there broke the law. And so I, I think there's always going to be an opportunity for citizens to be engaged. Steve, you're also in Arkansas. Good morning. What do you have to say? Uh, good morning, Jay. I appreciate your sacrifice for the cause of truth. Uh, uh, just uh, in all that's going on, I was thinking maybe we would have famous quotes, okay? Do not let the, uh, the martyr's crown on Dietrich Bonhoeffer shine less bright by being unaware that he said silence in the face of evil is itself evil. If people want to ignore Galatians uh, chapter 6, verse 6 uh, through 9, 6 through 8, if you want to put it like that, uh, it, it, it does not change the eternal fact of sowing and reaping. There will be a harvest someday. And, uh, you know, I could go quick. It takes a long time. I'm not going to do it. Voltaire, the, de- the, ca- the account of Voltaire's death, the woman that watched it said, for all the money in Europe, I would not watch the death of another infidel. It was a scene that bears all description. The wealth of Europe is a whole lot more than $195,000 a-, a year. Thank you for your time. Bless you. Thank you for your call, Steve. And I appreciate the comments. Uh, I really do. And you're right. I mean, look, folks, we're at a time in this country where, you know, <laughs> can you just sit back and watch it happen? You don't understand how precious this is. Well, you do. I'm just being rhetorical. Talk to people who grew up in Poland. Talk to people who grew up behind the Iron Curtain. Talk to people who grew up in any tyrannical government around the world. I I mean, the stories just astound. In Poland, they'd had terrible television on all week long, except one time. Terrible television, like about the potato plan, you know, in prime time television on Tuesday nights. But there was one time of the week where they put the latest Disney movies on. Anyone want to guess when that was? It was Sunday morning. So kids didn't want to go to church. These people are diabolical. They're not gone. And I think you all know that. And you can only take so much. David, you're in Indiana. What do you have to say this morning? Yeah, um... You and Sandy, you know, I consider you guys sensationalist journalists almost. You you tell us all of this stuff, and we get frustrated. And, you you know, you you said in a few moments, which you've only got like seven or eight minutes left in the program, you spent the entire program on doom and gloom without any solutions. It's incredibly frustrating. Well, let me give you some solutions. Let me give you some solutions. And by the way, talking about actual Inspector General reports at the Justice Department about misconduct, I don't think it's sensationalism. It's just repeating facts. But let me give you some solutions. One is to get involved. In other words, to write a letter to the editor, to to call a congressman, to pay attention, to engage I'm not suggesting we just all sit back and listen to how bad it is. I think 
your voices make the change. Stop calling it the Department of Justice. Start calling it Richard Pilger at the election crimes branch who won't prosecute voter fraud. I went on Judge Janine's show five or six times and talked about this person's name. I do my best to not to refer to institutions. And I think getting everyone's mindset around the idea that these bad things happening to the country are not being done by institutions, they're being done by individuals. And that's why Hans von Spakovsky and I wrote a series called Every Single One, which you can read at PJ Media, that has the resumes of all the new left-wing hires inside the Justice Department Civil Rights Division. And we go through the resumes that we got through FOIA. That's why we sue uh, department uh, uh, lawyers when it comes to citizen voting cases. That's a whole other topic. We've talked about it in another show. So I'm not suggesting that people just sit back and listen to doom and gloom. What I'm suggesting is that you get involved. You abandon the idea that you render, you, you leave unto Caesar those things which are Caesar's and ignore it and just be upset about it. What I'm suggesting is you get involved. You pay attention. You engage as best you can, given the talents that you've been given. Because until we get involved, the people who care about liberty, care about freedom of conscience, care about the unique American experience that no other nation on the face of the earth has ever enjoyed, the people who love liberty need to be involved to defend it. Because this is the time. And these sensational stories is my gift to share with you what I saw on the inside. It's my effort to educate you about how bad it really is so people out there who've been on the sidelines can take action that they might not have otherwise taken. Because I care about the country, and I know a lot of people listening care about the country. Linda, you're in Arkansas. Good morning. Hello, Jay. I always enjoy listening to you. Uh, what I have to talk about is not necessarily just about the Justice Department, but uh, I'm stuck with NBC because I got rid of my cable. And I've noticed <laughs> right. that uh, I see all this uh, Kyle Rittenhouse trial. And this is a young teen that tried to help out and try to make a difference and ended up having to defend his own life. And now he's the bad guy, and we're getting to see him on TV. But where's all those people that nearly burned Washington, D.C. to the ground? Where's their trials? Uh, you know, they, they looted, they burned, they attacked and wounded 60 of our Secret Service uh, during all this and uh, put the president's family in danger. But I don't see their trials on TV. Right. That's a great point. And, and you know what? You have reminded me, Linda, of another thing. During the Trump inauguration, which I wrote a piece about at PJ Media, you guys really got to look at it. It's like something like Satanists at the uh, Trump administration protesting Trump. I took a lot of photographs at it, and it's up at PJ Media. You really ought to check that one out. The point is there was an insurrection at the Trump inauguration, and people were charged by the Justice Department. But weirdly, those charges were all dismissed, and they all went away, and uh, nobody languished in a D.C. jail with no bail like is happening now. Those charges all went away, and you could read all about it. James O'Keefe got the undercover video of them plotting to disrupt the inauguration because he infiltrated these cells. And this information was used, <laughs> pardon, to indict 
it was used to indict people, but those charges were all dismissed. Another example of double standard. You can be an insurrectionist at the Trump inauguration on January 20th, 2017. But by golly, if you were there on January 6th, 2021, you're going to go to jail and they're going to throw away the key. This is what I'm talking about, about double standards. Mary, you're in Texas. Good morning, Mary. You're on American Family Radio. Hi. Yes, um, I'm just wondering how long are we going to just put up with this? We should not have even put up with that fraudulent election. And, and I know this is harsh talk, but it just keeps getting worse. Like, like your previous caller just said, all of those burnings of the city right. and the disrespect to our police officers. And Mary, I have a hard out at the end of the show here, so you raise a good point. Okay, I'm going to be back tomorrow, and to answer Mary's question, homework tonight. Everybody pull out a copy of your Declaration of Independence, because these questions faced a prior generation. These questions faced another group of Americans who wondered the same thing, and they had their answer. It's worth reading overnight. I'm Jay Christian Adams. In for Sandy Rios this morning on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for engaging. Thank you so much for being there this morning, this last hour. I'll be back again tomorrow, one more day of subbing for Sandy. It's been great to be with you. You can follow me at Election Law CTR. Would love a follow there. Follow you back. Have a good day. Talk to you tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.